Good morning, Pathway, and welcome to church, or should I say thank you for welcoming me to your living room, backyard, dining room, cab of your truck, wherever you're watching from this morning, I'm glad to be here, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. This morning, we're doing a quick one-off series called My Life, My Choice, And the idea behind this is there's so many different opinions going around in this world of how you should live your life. There's people telling you what politician to vote for. There's people telling you uh, how to raise your kids. There's, There's different kind of things on where you stand on the social issues that we see going around us, even where you stand on the COVID issue and and, uh, so we want to talk about how we as Christians should be living our lives. So uh, we're excited to do this. I'm excited to do this. And so if you would, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. As Rob likes to say, if you don't know where Galatians is, there's a table of contents in the front of your Bible. Don't be afraid to use that. And uh, find Galatians chapter 2. And one of the ways we like to show respect to God's word here at Pathways, we like to stand for the reading of his word. So Even if you're at home, not if you're driving your car, but if you're at home right now, stand up with me and let's read the word of God. So Galatians 2 verse 19 says, For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how good you are that you have given us your Son to die on the cross to save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that as we examine how it looks to follow in your footsteps, to live a life that is completely Christ-driven, Christ-centered. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would speak through me, and Lord, that it would be not my words, but your words this morning. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be worshiping you through song and study of the word and giving, Lord, and, and we just ask that right now in this time, your presence would be here. Thank you so much for loving us. In your name, amen. So it's interesting because we have this idea in, in our culture that you need to listen to what I say because of either my position or, let's be honest, a lot of us feel like we need to listen to somebody because uh, they yell really loud or they have a lot of followers on uh, Instagram or Facebook or any of those kinds of things. And so because I'm a celebrity, you should listen to what I'm saying or live your life the way that I say you should live your life. Or even, guys, because I'm a pastor, you should listen to me on how you should live your life. And really here in this passage, we're seeing a a radical way that Paul is explaining to us how we should really be living our lives differently than what the normal is. And and so there's three points that we want to go through in this passage. And the first one is, is, is... opposite of what we would say because Paul gives us an indication of how we can gain life and and really it is dying for life. So if you read in verse 19, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. So there's this idea of weird for us sometimes because it's like, well, how do I die to one thing but live to God? It's, It's the idea of of 
killing that man, crucifying him on the cross with Jesus. And so in culture we live in, everybody has a purpose or wants a purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're longing for that reason to go on. And Paul is saying here, my reason is Christ. And, and we even see, we see people around us in the Christian world who fight and they say, God, why don't I understand this? Or why don't I get this? Or why, you know, why is this person rich and I'm poor and, and I'm trying to live my life according to what they're saying, but I'm not getting anywhere. And James addresses this in James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. It says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's important. Guys, when we ask God, God, I want this life. I want, I want abundant life so that I can have a nice life. Well, that's, that's spending it on my pleasures. That's not what God is interested in. He's not interested in my pleasures. He's, in, he's interested in blessing me. But he's not interested in me just getting what I want because I'm a brat kid. <laughs> and we live in a culture, guys, with plenty of people who, we've heard the term entitlement generation. There's plenty of people that believe in their heart that they are owed something because they exist. And Paul here is saying, look, we have to die to that idea. We have to crucify that idea. And, and he goes on even deeper, and we're going to get to it in a minute, about how we go about that and what that looks like. But he's saying here that we die to the law. So when we have the law giving us guidelines of how we should live our lives or things that we should be doing or shouldn't be doing, all those kinds of things, guys, we don't live under that because we die to the law. The law doesn't die. The law shows us how we fail. The law is, Paul says in Romans, it's our schoolmaster. It brings us to the cross sets us down and says, you can't do this on your own. You need Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. If we are under the law, guys, there is no hope for us because the law cannot save. And we're going to talk about that in depth later. But guys, understand that the law doesn't die. We die to it. Paul died to the law. And, and the literal words that he's using here is the law kills us. The law shows us how we cannot do this. It makes us guilty before God, not justified before him. So if, if there's anybody in your life, or if you're thinking, sitting in your chair thinking to yourself that I need to obey the rules, if there's someone telling you that you need to obey the rules, and, and if you want to be saved, then you have to make sure that you're following all of the law. Guys, the law, all it does to show you how you can't be saved through anything but Jesus Christ's blood. The law was purposefully put there to say that there's something better to look forward to. Old Testament always looks forward to the New Testament. It always points towards Jesus Christ. The New Testament always points towards Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the law. And so understand when we die to the law, we are saying, I no longer have that as my standard. That is not my rule book of how to live. I live to God. And as long as I try to justify myself under that law by keeping the law, then I will be dead. 
There, there is no hope for me. Paul says in, in Romans 3.20, he says, Therefore, by deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So there's that idea of the, the, the law being our schoolmaster. It's there to show us that all we are is sinful people. When I choose to live to God, then I'm willingly denying all of my rights. I'm willingly saying that I don't have any rights. It is God's life in me. My life, it's not my life because I have been killed by the law. Now it is his, meaning Jesus's, to be lived out. For the rest of my days, when we make that commitment as a Christian, we are laying down our rights. We are laying down the opportunity to say, hang on, I think this. No, Jesus thinks this. And that's the only time that we speak is when it is his utterances. And we're going to get into that now. And, and the idea behind this is we say, well, hang on a second because, because I'm still a person and I still matter. And you guys are right, 100%. But when we come underneath Jesus Christ's reflect, uh, forgiving blood, then we are able to say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And that's what Paul says here in verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And he says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So what is this idea of no longer I who lives? Look, our culture is very self-focused. We have very selfish people. We have very self-ambitious people. We have, we have people that, is, that, that shout over the top of everybody else. We have rioters in the streets. We have, we have people with political uh, agendas. We have people who are fighting for causes and all of those things, most of those things. You know, we have issues that you need to land on what side you, you do. But what Paul is saying is he's saying, look, it doesn't matter what my thoughts are anymore. It doesn't matter what my opinions are on all of these issues. It matters what Christ thinks. I am dead to Christ. We all know what crucifixion looked like. We've talked about it. I've talked about it to you guys many times. So we all know what crucifixion does. It kills us. It makes a person dead. And so I say this a lot, and you guys are gonna you guys are gonna know this from if you listen to me at all. Uh, you're gonna know that I say this a lot. It's, and the saying goes like this: How many opinions does a dead man have? So Paul here is saying, I am now dead. Paul no longer exists. Andrew no longer exists. It is Jesus Christ who lives in me. So when I make that choice to get in my car and go to the bar and get drunk. I'm taking over the driver's seat. I'm not allowing Jesus to be in control of my life. The hope is that every move I make, every word that comes out of my mouth, every action that I take throughout the day, every cause that I stand up for is something that Jesus Christ is guiding me in. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We tend to think... we. Over time, we convince ourselves that Jesus died so that we can live our lives however we want. I hear this a lot. Well, I'm free in Christ. That is so true. We are free in Christ. But we are free to not do certain things. We are free to not go to certain places. We are free to say, not say certain things and do certain things. Jesus gives us freedom from what the world expects of us. 
the chains that the world holds us down with, Jesus gives us freedom from those things. And so Jesus didn't die so that I can live however I want. Jesus died so that I can be his. Jesus died so that he can take over my life, so that he can have a rule in my life, and so that he and I and God and me and the Holy Spirit and myself, we can have a relationship for eternity. He bridges the gap between me and the Father so that I can now enjoy the freedom in him. It's, it's a little bit complicated, but at the same time, it is beautifully simple. Here's the thing. Paul continues the thought, and, and if you, I guess you should say he, he said it earlier in Romans chapter 6. And if you would like to turn there, you can. In Romans chapter 6, verse 5, he says this, and I'm just going to read verse 5 to 11. He says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, there's that word again, crucified, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Notice the language there is the same in Galatians. He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in God, alive to God in uh, Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, we have the opportunity to be alive in a way that I don't know that we ever experienced before. In fact, I know for a fact we've never experienced before. When we die to ourselves, when we die to that sinful man, when, we cruci- when I put Andrew on the cross and say, he no longer exists but Christ in me, then Jesus is allowed to make the choices in my life. And we have to ask ourselves the question, whose life is it? Is it mine or is it God's? These verses that we're reading have massive implications of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to read one more section of scripture to you guys that kind of drives this home for me even a little bit closer. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, and it says this. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from, who, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Guys, understand the language here, and this is going to make a few of you guys uncomfortable, and that's okay. I'm okay with that, because if you have a problem, you can take it up with God. You are a slave to Jesus when you ask to be forgiven by him. His blood covers you, which is the purchase price for your soul. Jesus bought us with his death. He bought us with his blood. So understand that even if you don't like it, if you are a Christian, you are not your own. Your choices are not yours. 
So be careful when we use the words, I'm free in Christ. That is true. But understand that Christ still has dominion over your choices. Let me, let me give it to you an example like this. Imagine if I were to give you a chair, a big, cushy, plush chair, and I said, whoever sits in this chair is ruler over my life. Whoever sits here gets to make all of these decisions. And I say, you know what? I want you to sit in this chair, and you, get, you just get to make some decisions for me for a while. So you sit down in the chair, and somebody comes to me, and they say, hey, Andrew, let's go to the bar. And I say, great, sounds good. And you say, nope, you're not going to the bar. And I say, well, you don't understand. I'm friends with this person. It's cool. Nobody's going to see me there. And it's just going to be a few drinks, and it's okay. No, I don't want you to drink at all. No, but you don't understand. And, and all of a sudden, who's sitting in that chair? And so I say, oh, you know what, sorry, sorry, one more chance, give me one more chance here. You sit down in that chair, and you get to make all the decisions. And immediately someone comes to me and says, Andrew, I I think you should sell all of your stuff, and you should move to Alaska. And I say, oh, okay, sounds good to me. And you say, no, that's a bad idea. I've got you doing something here. And I say, you don't understand. Alaska is my dream. I want to live in the woods where I don't have to deal with any people or anything. I can just go shoot an animal out of the front of my porch. Who's in the chair? When we do that to Jesus all the time, guys, does that look like lordship to you? Does that look like he is actually God? Or does it look like I'm trying to get something from this relationship without having to give anything in this relationship? I love heaven, I love eternity, but I really don't want you to tell me how to live my life here. I love the idea of you giving me grace and mercy and forgiveness, but look, these parts of my heart where, where the, the closet is locked, I don't want you in there. That's not a Lord. That's not a God. That is a genie. That is a puppet. It is an idol. It's something, someone that we have created often. And guys, if you're a little uncomfortable with this kind of language, I'm glad because we should be uncomfortable with this. We should be very uncomfortable with my heart being locked up, any of my heart being locked up to the things of God. I want Jesus, as the psalmist says, search me and know my heart and lead me in your ways everlasting. Search me and know my heart. Guys, what an awesome prayer that we should be praying on a daily basis so that he gets into every nook and cranny of my life. I don't want him to just be in charge of my finances and my marriage and how I raise my kids. But how I live my personal life, I'm over here. Or, or how, I, you know, how I work my job, that's, that's mine. Don't, don't touch that, Jesus. I, it's not ready for you yet. No, just take it, God, and fix it because it is broken and I can't do anything with it. And anything I try to do is going to make it worse. This is what true dying to yourself looks like. This is what true sacrifice for Jesus looks like because I am offering up my life as a living sacrifice to him. It is his to control. We need to learn that we are not God. We need to learn that his choices and his voice isn't just the things that we agree with. 
guys, some of this stuff that's been going on, and, and it, some of you guys know this already because I've talked to a few people looking for wise counsel. Some of the stuff that's going on in, in the states with the racial division and things like that is hitting me hard because I see my town that I used to live in, the city of Salt Lake, I'm seeing it just it's, it's weird to see the Capitol building spray painted and, and Jackie and I's donut shop go up in flames. Things like that are weird to me. And so I'm really struggling with, am I wrong? Are they wrong? Are, is anybody wrong? Or are we just shouting really loud? And guys, I need to seek out God on, these, on his opinion of how I stand, how I respond to the, to the issues here at hand. Because if I'm not looking to him, then I'm looking in the wrong place. I don't care how eloquently someone else puts it or what a great argument that was or how loud this guy is shouting. I want to hear God's voice in every decision that I make, in every opinion that I have. I want it to be his opinion. And so here's the thing. Here's, here's the reason why Jesus came to die on the cross, and we touched on it earlier, and it's the third and final point that I want to make. The law cannot save you. So if you think I'm a good person, I, I obey the rules for the most part. I haven't, I haven't murdered anybody because that's where we immediately go to, right? Like, oh, I'm not a great person, but at least I didn't murder this guy. Guys, the law cannot save you. If, if the law could save you, then that means that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was in vain. That's what Paul says here in verse 21. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Guys, if, if there was any other way for us to be saved, then Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was worthless. It was useless. It was pointless. And Jesus even alludes to that in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, sorry. Uh, he says, uh, it, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. Guys, if Jesus had an out, he would have taken it. That's what this verse is saying. Is He's saying, God, if there's any other way for mankind to be saved, if there's any other way for sins to be forgiven, then please do that instead. Because I think, personally, I look at this, and this is Jesus' humanity. This is Jesus looking at the next day and what the next few days were going to look like for him. Understanding, being, growing up around crosses all around Jerusalem, where the Romans would have crucified thousands, possibly, of people. He would have known what crucifixion looks like. Guys, he knew what he was going to, and that would make any of us shake a little bit. And cry out to God, please, if there's any other way. But guys, there was no other way because blood is required for sin's forgiveness. Jesus had to go to the cross since the law cannot save. We must have the blood of Jesus Christ covering our sins. Don't let Jesus Christ, don't act like Jesus Christ's sacrifice was in vain by going back to the law, by going back to acting like you need to do certain things to, to get into heaven. Don't hold other people to that standard. 
Don't hold yourself to that standard. Because, guys, it's not good enough. And Jesus Christ's sacrifice, Jesus Christ's offering of forgiveness and mercy and love and grace is free and it's easy. He even says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't make us jump through a bunch of hoops. He doesn't make us earn this. He just gives it freely. And, guys, it doesn't even make a little bit of sense, but I'm okay with it because I love it and I love him. So I want to ask you guys a few questions and then we'll wrap up. Who owns you? If you follow Jesus, if you say that you are a Christ follower, then Jesus owns you. You are his slave. Let me ask you this. Are you running your life or is Christ? And and I really want you guys to dive into this question because it's easy for me to sit back in my lazy boy recliner, I don't have one, a couch, and say to myself, yeah, Jesus is in charge of my life. And then I turn on Netflix for an hour and a half or two hours. Or I say, Jesus is in charge of my life and I will open up a beer or I will go and look at something I shouldn't or I will say something I shouldn't. Is Jesus Christ in charge of your life or are you running your life? Every minute of every day is his, not mine. And he, he didn't just earn that, guys. He paid for it. He paid for your life. So who owns you? Are you running your own life? And let me ask you this. Are you allowing Jesus, have you tried allowing Jesus to sit in the driver's seat? That big chair that we had that we talked about. Is Jesus sitting there and making the decisions for you? And and let me say this. If he is, good. Keep him there. Love that. But here's the other thing about that. Listen. When he says, no, I don't want you doing that. Or he says, stop that. I don't want you doing that. Or if he says, go, I want you to go. Then, guys, we need to be listening. Because that means that he is my Lord. That means that he is my God. Let me say one last thing and then we'll wrap this up. If you are not a Christian and you're sitting here wondering what all of this stuff means, first off, let me encourage you. This is not the exhaustive uh, look at these verses. So I would encourage you to contact either myself, Pastor Rob, any of us at the church uh, that's on staff, or a friend that you trust that knows the Lord that can walk you through some of these things. But understand this, the gospel message is very simple. Jesus Christ came to earth as God. He is 100% man, 100% God. He was born of a virgin, grew up a perfect life. He was a perfect man. He died on the cross, and three days later he rose again to pay for and forgive our iniquities. Every single person that has ever lived, ever will live, or has ever lived, has been, their sins have been paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Your sins have been paid for. All you have to do to accept him into your heart, because these are Christian words that we're talking about, is inviting Jesus into your heart and all these things. All that means is that you pray to him right now in this moment, because don't let another day go by where you're taking a risk. And you say, Jesus I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I want to follow you. That's it. 
At, the, at that point, what I would encourage you to do is contact us. Contact somebody and tell them that you made that choice. Because here's the thing, guys. The worst thing that can happen is for you to say that prayer and then not go get somebody to walk alongside you and disciple you. It is great that you've decided to follow Jesus. It is fantastic. Now, help us and let us help you walk forward in this walk. Let us disciple you to be like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, to change your life and, and learn how to let him make the decisions in your life. And here's the thing is once you say that you are a Christian, and this goes whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or five minutes, guys, once you say that, you have no other option but to let Jesus be in the driver's seat. You have no other choice because guess what? He paid for you. He paid in blood for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much that you sent your son to die on the cross. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us an option to be saved by you and to enjoy the pleasure that it is to follow you. Lord, it is never drudgery to follow after Jesus Christ. It is never boring. It is never just following rules. You are exciting. You are alive. You are fresh. And God, I ask for your spirit to fall on every single one of us this morning. Lord, being separated from church is hard. But Lord, help these people, help everyone that is watching or listening this morning know that they are not alone, that you are with them, and that you're there for them. Lord, I thank you so much that you are God and that you see the end from the beginning. Lord, and you know how this world turns out. And we know how this world turns out, God. You win at the end. We thank you for that. And we ask, Lord, this morning that you would come quickly. Lord, let it be today.